Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that gets you smarter, faster on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, Facebook's new fake news revelations and why net neutrality opponents are talking about the California wildfires. But first, all the president's guilty men. That was the Axios headline yesterday afternoon after President Trump's longtime personal attorney, and his former campaign chair both became felons within moments of each other. Now, if you've somehow managed to ignore the news so far, here are the basics. Michael Cohen, who used to handle both legal and even some PR matters for private citizen Trump, accepted a plea deal in New York for tax fraud, bank fraud, and campaign finance violations. And it's that last one that's probably most important because Cohen said he did so at the direction of, quote, a candidate for federal office. And we're all kind of guessing that wasn't Bernie or Hillary. And then there was Paul Manafort, who helped Trump seal the GOP nomination. He was found guilty by a Virginia jury on eight counts of fraud. No direct tie to Trump there, except that the charges were brought by Bob Mueller, so the White House can't be pleased by it. So why does this all matter beyond the palace intrigue? One big reason is that it could, and I emphasize could, be the straw that kind of breaks Trump's hold over what's mostly been a pretty sycophantic Republican caucus in the U.S. Congress. And if so, that means his broader agenda could be in trouble. Things like deregulation, tariffs, and his growing rhetoric against what he calls censorship by big tech companies. Remember, today we're entering the longest bull market in stock history, and a big part of that has been driven by this faith that Trump will ultimately do what's best for big American business. But what happened yesterday has got to make folks question that faith at least a little bit. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on this with Axios CEO Jim Vandehei. But first, this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to Get Smarter Faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined by Axios CEO Jim Vandehei. So, Jim, let's start with this. Is the White House actually worried about what happened yesterday? I'd say for the first time you have top White House officials who are authentically worried that this is potentially the beginning of a path to impeachment. Before Michael Cohen flipped, before he fingered uh, Donald Trump in this, they weren't that concerned. There was nothing tangible to hold on to. But now what they fear is, is that this alone won't sink the president, but they know that There's so many known unknowns from Robert Mueller. And every time he shows a card, it's a surprising card. And that he has not shown any of them yet. And so he's obviously going to lay out a case for obstruction of justice by the president of the United States. He's likely going to take some action, at least in in terms of filing a report about stuff that Russians were doing with campaign officials uh, close to Trump. And it's the combination of those things that they worry could start to tilt some moderate Republicans. Is it your sense then that Trump starts to lay off or does he just come back harder and kind of come over the top in terms of rhetoric against Mueller and the investigation? Come on, man. He doesn't, uh, he (laughs) never backs off. He always doubles down. It's sort of the... uh, He's brilliant at it, right? Like he, unlike any person I've ever met covering politics or business or technology, he just doesn't mind the fight. He doesn't mind uh, people thinking bad things about him. He doesn't mind doing things that everyone says you cannot do. Already this morning, he's going after Mueller. He's basically saying Michael Cohen didn't even commit a crime. He's saying that Paul Manafort He's a great guy, and he didn't even cough up the goods uh, despite being under pressure from Mueller and his team. And so he's clearly going to keep going harder and harder. I think about that event he did in West Virginia last night. There's a part of him that's truly brilliant, right? He He can go into these auditoriums with Republicans. And when I say auditorium, I'm talking about basically the entire Republican base. And he knows the right songs to play. And he might not have a big bag of greatest hits, but he's got three or four. And they just get Republicans 
Christians feeling for him and supportive of him in an unshakable way. And Trump's theory is as long as 80% of Republicans feel passionately about him, as long as he can plant even a seed of doubt about any allegation, any case against him, he believes that will pressure Republicans' Congress to be by his side and to not entertain uh, impeachment, never to vote uh, for impeachment, as long as they still believe in Trump. And that holds true to this day. The thing about greatest hits are you you generally like them if you haven't heard them for a while. It, it would seem to me if you hear them over and over, at some point you get tired. So I'm curious, do you feel that what we saw yesterday is indeed the beginning of what could actually be GOP erosion? And I'm talking really about elected officials in Congress who really have kind of turned a blind eye to everything that's been potentially problematic so far. The beginning only if it is combined with other things that Mueller has, that there's more evidence, more charges, more cases, more people flipping against the president. To date, there's no Republican who's not retiring or in John McCain's case uh, facing terminal cancer that will speak out against the president of the United States. And that is the most important sustained fact about Trump and his political standing. The fear in the White House is, is that, okay, now you have a specific allegation. And it's not a minor allegation. You're basically saying, listen, you knew that you had to pay off two women on the eve of the election because you knew it could have adverse political consequences and cost you the presidency. Like, that's a real deal allegation. Now, what Trump will say is he'll say, listen, he's a liar. He's an admitted liar. He's a felon. It's his word versus my word. And as long as it's that, that'll be enough, I think, to satiate Republicans. But when you combine that with what Robert Mueller likely has, that's why Republicans are worried. That's why even people around Trump are way more worried today than they were 24 hours ago. So, Jim, I'm curious, how would you bet on this? I looked this morning at the stock markets and the futures early this morning were down a bunch and they fell a bunch after the the pleas yesterday. But now things are kind of flat. And it seems that the stock markets and business in general kind of looks at all of this stuff and just says, you know what? We keep seeing extraordinary things and ultimately nothing comes of it. And it doesn't really matter whether it be trade, whether it be international, whether it be domestic politics. Nothing seems to matter. Everything continues to go up and to the right. If you're running a company that is you know, prone to be affected by Trump policies, if you're an investor, how do you view this today? Is it just kind of more of the same and, you know, blinders on straight ahead? I don't think that the markets are behaving irrationally. I think there's been a collective shrug for the last year. They don't pay that much attention to his rhetoric, even on trade, certainly on Mueller, certainly about the stuff that happened in the last 24 hours. I think where the markets might not have it totally right, or certainly when I talk to CEOs that they might not always have it right, is that I do think the risk for sort of catastrophic consequence is higher than people sometimes factor in. I think our chance of having an authentic, prolonged, potentially dangerous trade war with China are higher than a lot of people might think. I think the chances that things go bad uh, in our showdown with North Korea are higher than most people would think. I think the chance that there's a true constitutional crisis around what Mueller finds and how Trump reacts to that are higher than uh, people think. But all of those really are pushed into at least the future, the future being you know months, uh, if not a year uh, from now. So I don't think it's irrational where the markets are. We will head soon, I think, into uncharted territory where I really would be surprised if the president doesn't pardon Manafort. I would be really <laughs> surprised if he doesn't even fire Mueller once he feels like his back is truly against and you the You don't wall. think either of those two things would be the thing that finally turns at least senior Republicans against them? Sure. I think a rational person looking at politics pre 
pre-Trump would say, of course, that, that would turn Republicans against them. What I would point to is that every single time any of us smarty pants in the media have said that over the course of the last two years, we have been proven incorrect. Every time he does something that we say you can't do and recover from, he does and he recovers from. His numbers never dip below 35 percent. They never rise above 45 percent. He has this base of the Republican Party that, if you look at polls, is as strong today, if not stronger, than it was at any point in his presidency. Thanks to Axios CEO and fellow media smarty pants Jim Vandehei. My final two on what Facebook just did and why Verizon had to apologize to a California fire department after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the ProRata podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Facebook, which last night interrupted the political news cycle by saying it had removed over 650 fake accounts, including some it traced back to government sources in Russia and Iran. Now, this came on the same day that Microsoft said it thwarted a so-called spear phishing attempt into some U.S. Senate offices. And it appears that the Iranian efforts on Facebook also extended to Twitter and maybe even Reddit. What's particularly notable here is that Facebook didn't remove the accounts the minute it learned about them. Instead, it let them remain online for a while. So it and law enforcement could learn more about how they operate and who operates them. The big question now is if this decision was the right one, given that the trade-off for keeping those sites online was that fake news traveled much further. And finally, Verizon is apologizing after it slowed down data service to a California fire truck that was fighting one of the state's giant wildfires. The telecom giant basically says that the Santa Clara, California fire department had gone over its data cap and that a customer service rep essentially failed the common sense test. But those seeking to reverse the FCC's end of net neutrality are using it as a rallying cry. Now, Verizon says net neutrality had nothing to do with this, so it may ultimately be more about the court of public opinion than a real court. And we're done. Big thanks for listening, whether on Apple, Radio.com, or other platforms. And to producers Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers, be sure to follow us all day at Axios.com and sign up for my pro rata newsletter at signup.axios.com. Have a great National Tooth Fairy Day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another pro rata podcast.